to hear some noise tonight. You're just seconds away from Let's Go Blues Radio. All over the hockey universe. No doubt about it, eh? You're listening to Kurt, Bill, and Jeff on Let's Go Blues Radio, the original St. Louis Blues hockey fan podcast. Take it away, boys. Nice onesie. Is it coming men's? Oh, I think you coming men enough for all of us. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 37 of Let's Go Blues Radio, the often imitated, never duplicated, original St. Louis Blues hockey podcast. We're broadcasting live on Wednesday, October 29th. 2019. This is franchise episode number 223 all time. Your host tonight, or yours truly, Kurt Price and Jeff Ponder. Bill Day is on assignment. I like um, that. There you go. <laughs> who, who, <laughs> who is ever on assignment on on, on, a, on a podcast? There's nobody on assignment on a podcast. Bill, uh, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I heard I heard a, a podcast the other day say that, that one of the hosts wasn't there and the, the the host said that they were on assignment. I'm like, bullshit. Bullshit, they're on assignment. There's not, not assignment. There. He's, at, he's at KFC. He's picking up our food. <laughs> and they were being dead serious. I'm like, oh, come on. No, I'm on assignment bullshit. It's ridiculous. Uh, to interact with us uh, on social media, uh, you can follow the show on Twitter, at LGB Radio is the show's account. Mine is at Price. Jeff's is at uh, jponder94. And uh, Bill's is at billybluenote. Uh, so give him a follow, even though he's not here. Uh, also, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and the website is letsgoblues.com, where you can listen or watch past episodes, browse the discussion forum, as well as get some cool T-shirts, mugs, and stickers that help support the show. Um, we do have some stickers for sale on the website. As I mentioned, uh, the new one is the uh, Blues and Stag Beer mashup design. And they're available now at letsgoblues.com for $2 plus shipping. And if you buy four, you get one free. So consider that, please. Um, Jeff, sir, how are you this evening? Oh, I'm great. You know, last time when I kind of missed the start of the show, uh, there was some stuff said about me. So let's talk about Bill. Boy, isn't Bill just the worst? He is, uh, <laughs> you know, the show is going to go much smoother and a lot quicker this evening. Yes. Yeah. Well, I still talk half the show. So, I, and I guess you're the other one that talks the other half. So, yeah. What? I mean, what maybe maybe ten minutes quicker. We'll we'll have to count the. We'll have a little counter, a, a ticker up in the upper right hand of the screen for those watching on YouTube, uh, that will count the uh, one more things by Mr. Ponder at the end of the show. Yes. Let's <laughs> let's let's let's. I can't wait for that. That's always the best part of the show. <laughs> we should. I don't have that technology in front of me, but it'd be great if I did. Mike, and my cat needs to go away. Quit bugging me. Um, our uh, official beers of episode number two two three. Uh, we we actually uh, picked the same beer this evening, un unbeknownst to each other. I, yeah, I'm 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 drinking um, uh, Amstel Light. <laughs> I, I no, have an Amstelite no. story. You know that? <laughs> Let's hear it. I have an Amstelite story. It's funny you say that because last year I was at uh, Helen Fitzgerald's 
and I it was loud. There was a band playing, good time, and I went to the bar and I said, I it was it was the fall or winter, and uh, Four Hands has their Absence of Light beer that I love. It's a peanut butter. I see where uh, you're going stop. with this. So I, I go to the I, I ask the bartender, I say, Yeah, give me a Absence of Light. All right, comes back with an Ams, a bottle of Amstel Light. And I'm like, I look at it, I'm like, what the, I'll drink it, whatever, okay, fine. And uh, I said, how, I've never had one, so how bad could it be? And uh, it, you ever had an Amstel Light, Jeff? Ah, uh, God, probably when I was 20 or 21. Hate it. First time I had it? Oh, yeah. It's, it was a skunky. I'm pretty sure I thought it was, yeah, I'm pretty sure I thought it was terrible. <laughs> it was pretty skunky. And I'm like, well, hell, I gave it away, and I went back and I enunciated properly at the bar to make sure that they... They heard me, so yeah. There's my wow. There's my Amstel Light story. Man, that's uh, <laughs> oh, sorry you had to deal with that. And Helen's that's a that's a fine establishment. It is a for fine. them to make that error. Ooh, I like, I like Helen's a lot. Oh, it's a great spot, great yep. spot. Except apparently they serve Amstel Light, unbeknownst yeah, know, to right? me. I know, right? No, we are not drinking Amstel Light tonight, folks. We are drinking uh, something both Kurt and I have had in the last two weeks on this show, I believe. Uh, O'Fallon pumpkin beer, and uh, it's because it is uh, what two days before Halloween. It is, and and uh, it is just the perfect Halloween hey, beer. So let's clank them together. Ready there, clank. Oh, oh, yeah. Here we go, clank. Clank. Yeah, that was perfect timing. Yeah, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> we did that perfectly. See, the podcast listeners are like, "What the hell is going on, clank?" I didn't hear a clank. They're in the same. They're in the same room. Holy we, cow! We for you podcast listeners, we do broadcast this show live on YouTube, and then it goes up as a podcast uh, the next morning. So, uh, if you ever uh, on the YouTube and go ahead and search for Let's Go Blues Radio, and uh, you can watch us do this show. It's uh, we have a good time. So uh, it's maybe, thrilling. It's yeah. thrilling to watch us talk. <laughs> Right, but they're a cool. They're, they're you know it's a it's a there's a cool. We have cool stuff in the background. Both of us do, and, and we do. Uh, we've got some on-screen graphics that we that we put out for you folks. So, you know, hopefully it's not that visually uninteresting. No, I think we've uh, done a pretty good job. And uh, uh, Lo- logs mort over on YouTube uh, says I'm watching live, and I'm still not convinced of that clank. Uh, <laughs> well, just look closer, my friend. Yeah, I mean. That red bar in the middle clearly defined the clank. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually the silencer for the clank. So that way, if we do that multiple times during the show, you're not going to hear it. Forget the fact that our the rooms behind us have different color paints. Yeah. <laughs> not by much, though. I've got a. I've got a. Not light, really. Not. I, I got yours is like a different shade of. I mean, it's not off by much. Mine's like a kind of like a a teal kind of. Mine's like a light blue. And yours blue. is what, like a light blue? Yeah. yeah. We should coordinate this. If you ever want to repaint your room, you uh, give me a call first. Yeah, I'll, I'll, get the, I'll get the swatch. I'll get the Pantone number. I'll take it to Lowe's. There you go. I I'll like that. The... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, uh, the, the O'Fallon pumpkin beer, uh, my first, uh, my, actually my first straight pumpkin beer of the season. I have not had, uh, last week I had the, uh, what was it, uh, salted caramel uh, uh, pumpkin? I think it yeah. was. Yeah. Did, did you have it the was, s'mores yet? I had the s'mores yet. The s'mores was better than the salted caramel. I, I I can do the s'mores. Uh, not not something I would buy a lot of, but I came in a variety pack, so I'll finish that off. But but the the salted caramel I'm have to give away. I don't. That was way too sweet and way too yeah. Too much too much going on. Uh, the no, pumpkin, I agree. The pumpkin I, beer is good. 
I usually, whenever uh, O'Fallon or or um, uh, Forehands or anybody locally releases those variety packs, I always give them all a try. And I could, I you know, if you handed me a, a salted caramel pumpkin O'Fallon, I'll I'll drink it, but it's not my favorite. Uh, like you said, just too sweet. There's too much going on. I just like the the flat the pumpkin beer. The, just the the, the not flat. Like, that's a bad term to use for beer. I just like you my, know what I mean. I just like my regular old pumpkin beer. Yeah, I mean I'm a I, I, maybe that makes me sound like a crazy old curmudgeon because I just the original pumpkin beer from O'Fallon is that in uh, I don't remember who makes it. Pumpkin. You ever had pumpkin yeah. before? Yeah, I have. It's good. Those are my two favorites. The, Mr. Blues hat in the YouTube chat says yawn. Either he misses Bill, or uh, we're not drinking his. Uh, what was he drinking at, uh, at the Hot Shots of the night? That was. Uh, oh, he was drinking uh, uh, orange Bud Light, right? Bud Light orange. <laughs> no, he was not. Uh, hey, when when he corrects us, we don't have to read it, so people are Mick just going to believe it. The Mick Ultra. So I, I know the the O'Fallon Pumpkin is no Mick Ultra, but you know. Uh, you know, Mr. Blue said, uh, well, while you're watching the show here, I do want to apologize. I couldn't make your show. I blame my wife or make your, uh, your, your, your watch party. But, uh, thank you for the invite and hopefully I'll be at the next one. He says he finished with Amber Bach. He did. And that was the one that I bought him. So, uh, there you go. It was, I, I enjoy the Amber Bach. I, I like, you know, uh, uh, Michelob Ultra is fine. I like it. Uh, Amber Bach is a, is a step up for me personally. I like that better, but, uh, you do you. Um, today in Blues history, Curtis of Mr. Blues Hat does often do himself. He so that's a good <laughs> so, call. So I hear. Uh, people often <laughs> tell him online to go do himself as well. <laughs> so he gets that a lot. It's usually deserved too. <laughs> oh, he goes. He said, "Did I send you an invite, Ponder?" Oh, oh not, not sure damn. if he did. Ooh. Well, all right then. <laughs> I remember that. That's. I don't. I don't need to apologize for what I just said about you. Why don't you go do yourself? <laughs> I got. I do believe I got an invite, but I think that was mostly because I live over on this side of the river, and that's where the that's true. That's where the uh, watch party was. Hey, I could walk to Illinois from where I live now. I'm in the land of Pat Maroon. <laughs> the land, the land of uh, of uh, people getting pissed off from not seeing the cup. That's what that land's the called. The land of why isn't the cup on Telegraph Road at all times? Why isn't the cup where I am? Yeah, I agree. I kept telling my friends uh, when I had my, my housewarming party in uh, August that, uh, hey, you know what? If Pat Maroon's a good South Countyite, he'll bring the cup to my house. So we'll see. He never did, so screw him. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, today in Blues History, courtesy of the at STL Blues History Twitter account, October 29th, 1992, Bob Plager resigned as the head coach of the St. Louis Blues and was replaced by Bob Barry. Bob Barry, um, my, my, uh, how I remember Bob Barry is uh, hugging players after the four-game sweep of the Blackhawks in 93 in the first round. That's, uh, that's my lasting memory of Mr. Barry. Yeah, I remember that as well. And uh, I remember Bob Barry because uh, Brett Hall stole his car, apparently. <laughs> And uh, went to the east side, and Kelly Chase got in trouble. Yes, he did. Be because, that's, so that's a good story. Because <laughs> because your 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 seventy two goal scorer is not going to get in trouble. Yep. 
But the tough guy who logs four minutes a night, he's going to get in trouble. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think Chase knew that the whole time. Oh, yeah. He had to have. That's a funny story. And I doubt that that was the first time as well. Bob Berry is the, according to Mr. Blue's hat, Bob Berry is the third best Berry after Franken and Boo. What about Chuck? Chuck's pretty good. Chuck's pretty darn good. Chuck's, Chuck's pretty uh, good. I, I'd put him fourth. I mean, I, I don't think... Uh, uh, Howie Berry? Ah, I don't think I don't think uh, uh, Bob Barry is is putting any two way mirrors in any bathrooms though, so maybe that puts him a notch above Mr. Chuck Berry. What about Barry Melrose? Uh, that's a B A. Sure okay, counts. you're right. Good Not call. sure that counts. I mean, that's close. <laughs> On October 29th, nineteen ninety six, Craig Conroy and Pierre Turgeon, or how would uh, Ken Wilson say it? Pierre Turgeon. <laughs> yeah, doesn't pronounce the end. Uh, traded to the St. Louis Blues by the Montreal Canadiens for Murray Barron, Shane Corson, and a fifth-round pick, which turned into either uh, Kostinin Sidulov out of the KHL or Genity Raisin from Kamloops, uh, neither of which played in the NHL. Genity raisin. Now that sounds like a uh, like a like an afternoon snack a kid asks for when they come home from school. <laughs> Mom, Dad, can I have some Genity raisins? It actually sounds like something that was recalled back in 1968 because of the tainted. <laughs> oh, they they, don't, they they had to recall a big batch of Genity raisins. Oh man, those that, those are those are my favorites. That's a shame. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned the the pronunciation of Turjan's name. Um, it, I'm reminded of a game. I think it was called like NHL Open Ice or something. It was for uh, PlayStation One, I believe, and it was basically NBA Jam, but for hockey. Did you ever play that one? It was made by the same people. I, don't think I think it was have. Midway. No, I don't think I have. It was actually it was actually pretty fun. But uh, Turgeon was just on the team, and I swear the announcer in that game, whenever Turgeon would score, he'd go Toyja, <laughs> and I'm like Toyja. Is that Pierre like McGuire? what is that? Probably. No, it was a guy I never heard of Turgeon I ever heard. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Blueshead says Murray Barron is the second best Baron after the Red. Okay. Yeah, the Red Baron. Yeah. Good pizza. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's 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 affordable. It's a it's it's good it's good for the money you pay. I'd say yeah. I I buy that. Uh, anyway, the trade Conroy and Turgeon for uh, Baron and Corson. Holy hell. That yeah. was uh that that we uh reaped the rewards out of that trade. That was fantastic. Well, that Conroy was a, a conversation on many shows over the summer, um, talking to the Montreal guys and then the the uh, the Calgary guy because um, he came here and it was oh my god we've got a supreme fourth liner. Then you trade him for Corey Stillman, who was a big part of that 01 and 02 team. Stillman and great. then uh, that Stillman was great, and then Conroy went on to have a ridiculous career with the Flames. I know Conroy had a really nice career, probably, probably better than he thought he would have. <laughs> oh, I think so too. That well, was, you look at um, good player. It's funny because we uh, one of the conversations that I had with the the Canadians gentleman that was on, um, he talked about how the at the time when they traded Turgeon, it was such a puzzling move because they needed a center. They were like they needed center, and they they traded the number one center, and I thought. Man, just think if they would have held on to Conroy, too. That guy easily could have stepped in as the number one center for Montreal at the time. They wasn't, traded both of them. Wasn't Conroy Calgary's captain for a bit? He might have been. That sounds right. Was. I thought he was. That sounds right. 
He was a good leader. I, everybody loved him. God, he seemed like a great guy, fun guy. Um, nice career. I'm, I'm, I'm a Craig Conroy fan. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say it. Me too. Uh, October. We should get him on the show. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll what's work a, on it. What's he doing? He's a, he's got free time, right? Actually, I think he works for the Flames. That would not as a scout or something. I have no idea, but I'm pretty sure he does. October 29th, 1997, Dallas Drake tied a St. Louis Blues single-game record for assists with five, and Doug Waite recorded a hat trick on October 29th, 2003. Why does it say 2097? I got that wrong. 2003, I guess. Yeah, that makes more sense, 90, uh, 2003. In a 6-5 to win versus the Red Wings, Osgood saved 24 of 25 shots in the third period. Uh, he stopped 45 in the game. Uh, other times before this game that a blue had five assists in the game, Brian Sutter in 83 versus Toronto, Federico in 88 versus Toronto, and Oates in 91 versus Detroit. So four times uh, up to this point. This was the fourth time in Blues history that a, a player had, had five assists in a game, and two came against Toronto and two came against Detroit. Interesting. Yeah. that's You look at the names, Brian Sutter, Bernie Federico, Adam Oates, and Dallas Drake. <laughs> That's uh, that's that's interesting. It's always funny when you have that one little weird one in there. Um, I think there was one for six goals in a game, right? Isn't there one of those that, you know, you're listing off the names of the great players, and there's one guy like, how the hell did he score six in a game? Yeah, like Chris Contos or something like that. I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, Calgary Flames captain Craig Conroy, 2002, 2000, I'm sorry, 2001, 2002, and then 2002, 2003. I thought so. Yep, so you were correct, sir. Uh, today's date, October 29th, 1985. Greg Pazlowski. I included this one because I just like Pazlowski. Love the name. Greg Pazlowski. Set the Pazlowski! Pazlowski! And they go crazy. <laughs> uh, I, I was a Pazlowski fan, too. He was one, that, was, that, was, that was my first uh, couple of years, few years, watching uh, the Blues, and, and he was a, a favorite of mine. Uh, Pazlowski set the Blues uh, record for fastest goal to start a game. Eight seconds versus the Washington Capitals. 1985. We that that came up recently, did it not? In a in a broadcast, didn't the Blues score early in a game or something? And that was okay. Was that the fastest goal the Blues have ever scored? And might have been. I think somebody brought that up on the broadcast. Yeah, probably. Was was it was it the first game? Sammy Blake scored pretty quickly, right? Uh, not eight seconds, though. It was, I mean, they scored the first oh, minute. Oh, no, it they wasn't that like, quick. They scored in the first minute, yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I'm not sure when that was, but I think you're right. Uh, today's date, 1995. Chris Pronger of the St. Louis Blues received a four-game suspension for slashing Pat Peak in the throat. Uh, he did not receive a penalty <laughs> versus the Washington Capitals. Uh, he was also fined $1,000 by the NHL Director of Hockey Operations, Mr. Brian Burke. $1,000 fine for a man who's probably made over $100 million in his career. That's a good one. <laughs> and what I want to know is, I know that that was a time when you had one referee, but how do you miss a slash to the throat? I, Woo! I mean, uh, the, the review of the uh, article said that even though Pronger did not intentionally mean to injure uh, Mr. Peak, uh, he got the uh, four-game suspension anyhow. Wow, that's woo, that's rough. So, uh, real quick, I'm gonna grab something. One more thing, Kurt. <laughs> so, 
Uh, I want to point out Mr. STL Blues history, uh, not just a blues history guy, a big NHL history guy. He passed this book along to me. I don't know if you can see that, Kurt. It is... Uh, oh, California Golden to... Seals. Yeah. California Golden Seals, Tale of White Skates, Red Ink, and what is it? Uh, and one of the NHL's most outlandish teams. Look at the size of that book. Wow. So I am very excited to read this. Um, this was passed on to me by Mr. STL Blues History. He's gotten his hands on some interesting NHL memorabilia. So I'm very excited to read this. So, uh, yeah, good stuff there from Mr. STL Blues History. The Seals uh, did not – they were not long for the NHL uh, in, in no. that city. So, I mean, that's – they. Uh, I forgot. There was just so many strange things that happened with that organization. It's you know what back in the day back in the call oh, in the uh, when the blues were uh, the the blues history is just fascinating and and I imagine that's the case with a lot of teams back in that era uh, back in the uh, 60s uh even before that with teams I guess it's just the 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 goings on were just crazy and the the stuff that would just never happen now or how things the way are there now would never people are like really that's the way it was back then holy shit um how? What about what wasn't it uh, the seals that eventually uh, uh, disbanded and their players were drafted off into the what is it the North Stars and the yeah. Cleveland team or something? Yeah, the Cleveland Barons. I think that sounds right. They uh, the the yeah something weird like that. Like the Just seals so many like, weird things like yeah. that happened. Odd. Uh, yeah. So and and you know something I've been saying recently, ever really ever since I got this book from from STL Blues History. I know that the San Jose Sharks are not technically the California Golden Seals, but shouldn't they have an, a vintage night where they wear a Golden Seal stuff? Wouldn't that be awesome? The white skates, the the ugly colored pants. I mean, I think that would be so cool. People would love that. The terrible logo that is is actually just because it's, it's retro, it's cool now. Right. Uh, awful logo. It's just terrible. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything about it was awful. Yeah. Uh, so there was some news that dropped. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, like what? Oh, I don't know. You know, uh, there's uh, Blues have been hit with the injury bug, uh, which is kind of the uh, theme of the show a little bit because of uh, a few guys are either out or have been out uh, or sick. Um, Tarasenko, Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, who has had shoulder issues in the past, uh, is now out for five months at least. He'll be reevaluated in five months uh, because he has a dislocated shoulder, torn labrum. So uh, that kind of sucks. Uh, Bear Jackman was on the radio yesterday. He hinted uh, uh, about the. He talked about the torn labrum, uh, which, uh, based on when you watch the injury uh, in the video, you can kind of tell. Okay, I mean, it wasn't a. It was a. It looked like a nothing play, but you can see in the replay the the hit from the defenseman, I forgot his name, uh, came up from underneath uh, Tarasenko's arm and uh, just popped his shoulder out of socket. And uh, and it, uh, it tore some labrum. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Strickland mentioned that um, he, he knows that during the final, I don't think he listed which game, that his shoulder did pop out and they had to pop it back in place right there in the middle of the game. So obviously he's still struggling with that shoulder. Hopefully the surgery corrects it and we see a fully healthy Tarasenko when he comes back. But, uh, I mean, it is concerning when you see and hear about how many times this guy's had problems with that so shoulder. 
the uh, there was a uh, an expert at a uh, expert in his field on uh, joints and uh, uh, surgery. Doctor Bill Day, right? Doctor, no, not but Doctor Bill Day. Uh, it was Doctor oh. some something rather. Um, but he was on the fast lane. Terrible this afternoon name. On ESPN Radio. And he went on to say that uh, in some cases, uh, after shoulder surgery, it can come back stronger uh, because they go in, they tighten things up, uh, and they, they, they basically fix your shoulder. Now, uh, typically, uh, that's not the case, but it's possible that it could come back stronger. Typically, uh, the shoulder is, um, is more susceptible to being hurt again. Uh, uh, as opposed to being stronger, but so there, there is the chance. I'm not. I don't. He didn't speculate on percentages uh, that it could come back better than new, but that is not usually the case. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. So first of all, the thing that 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 I want to talk about, and I've talked about it on this show before. We don't know the inner workings of what's going on. Obviously, like I said, Strickland came out and said this is something that they knew happened back in June. And, and you know, the question is, well, then why the hell didn't they get surgery right away? Like what, when the Stanley Cup final ends, okay, Vladdy, you're going on the knife tomorrow. You know, first of all, you have to schedule this stuff out. You can't just say, okay, tomorrow we're giving you surgery. I mean, the, these surgeons are busy. They're busy people. Uh they don't just uh, wait around for the blues to need some help. Um, and then second of all, uh, I do think that there is a little bit of the, you have to get the player to, to, to kind of agree that that's the best solution. Every player is going to tell you they don't want to go into surgery. They want to rehab. If they get the option, they want to rehab it. They want to be able to, to work out in the off season and come back a hundred percent or so they think in October uh, but man, it is it is frustrating though when you hear this and you say, "This is something that he has been struggling with. Why has there not been surgery done before now? Now he's going to miss the whole se- well, most of the season." Uh, I don't know. I don't know what your oh. thoughts are on it, Kurt. I don't want to get. I, I I don't want to put words in their mouth and and just assume. Well, they knew they could have done this back in June. Obviously, there's other things that probably happened, but it is frustrating when you think this is something they've known about for a while. Barring barring a deep playoff run, he's done. He's not. He's he's done. It's five months until he's reevaluated. So medically, he's cleared after five months. Um, but they have to clear him to play. If, uh, you know, uh, the team does. So and that's that's it could be another month. It could be we don't know. So uh, I I think he's pretty much done. Like I said, barring a comeback in the you know mid to late rounds of the playoffs. Um, We'll see. I, I, we'll see. I, hopefully, it's not the case. But but the you know the the I'm going by what the doctor said on the radio. He he uh, he implied that. Also, uh, he's the, the the surgery is like that too. It's all. I mean, another reason why surgery wasn't done. Uh, you could almost you could kind of maybe qualify that as a, an unnecessary surgery at the time, the off season, after the playoffs, because. Uh, it's better to let joints heal naturally if they can. And if you have surgery, then that that's invasive. That's there's a there's a, a greater chance of re-injuring down the road uh, if surgery is done a lot of times. So, you know, surgery is something they not, they don't want to do uh, if they don't have to. Uh, which is why uh, a lot of times you'll see players take time off 
to for an injury and then uh, have surgery a week or two or three later if it's not healing the way they the way they, they hope. So that happens too. But so that's another reason why surgery may not have been done in the off season because they wanted to try and see if it would heal properly. You know. Uh, without the surgery, but but then again, he's heard it before, so that yeah. it's, a, it's it's a chronic thing. That's that's concerning. Uh, when he does come back, uh, it's going to be a thing where uh, hopefully uh, the surgery took and it's effective, and and uh, it's not a Fabry incident where uh, uh, it was he fell into the what was it the five percent uh, uh, category yeah. where where the surgery uh, doesn't really take and it, and it's uh, more susceptible to be re-injured and he did re-injure it. So, um, you know, we'll see. I, I, I would not bank on him coming back before the playoffs. I think that's the best case scenario. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a couple situations. I can't remember the exact injury, but I know Ian Cole recently, uh, he just came back from an injury and he was labeled at the start of the year to not come back till a reevaluation in December. And he's back now. He already came back. So again, I don't remember what the exact injury was, but sometimes you do get those strange situations where I feel much better. I feel great. And maybe by the time he's reevaluated, they'll say, hey, you can start skating tomorrow. You know, well, he's probably going to be skating, but you can go ahead and start shooting tomorrow and, and taking oh. hits within a week. You know, you never know. It could happen. But he, I'm with you. It's better to not assume that that's going to happen. I think at this point, everyone just needs to say this is the team for now unless a trade is made. And you're not going to get Tarasenko back, like you said, barring a, maybe a second-round playoff entrance. They, uh, they're going to get $7.3 million in cap relief uh, until Tarasenko comes back. So, that was, so uh, what do you think? What do they do? Uh, they're not going to do anything right now. They're going to, Armstrong is going to San Antonio to watch them play, uh, uh, and he hinted that someone will be called up soon for the weekend. Uh, but no one is being called up for tomorrow's game, uh, and they're going to try and deal with this from within. They're gonna. They got Walker down there who's tearing it up. Costin's uh, an option, so uh, they're gonna. And they, I mean, I, I don't. Uh, I don't think they're gonna do anything for a while. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. How do you? Good. How do you feel about that? Is that the way you would handle it? I'm fine with that for now. I mean, it's pretty early in the season. I, I'm. I'm fine with 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 plugging in guys and seeing how it goes. I think. Uh, I think it's the responsible thing to do. Mm-hmm. I, I. I think making a move right now would, would be silly because. Uh, you may be able to plug in some guys, and it may not be a consistent uh, replacement. But you know, some guys in the team are playing very well. Uh, they could they could line matchups uh, with Barube. They could uh, plug some guys in uh, against you know, certain guys against certain teams. Get better matchups. Uh, that's something they can do for a while. See how it goes. Um, they're even without Tarasenko, they're a, a solid playoff team. I think. I just it just. It'll be interesting to see who gets plugged in and how they play. Um, I'd love to see Costin get a shot, get a handful of games, just to see what he does. Um, that'd be kind of fun. Um, Walker's interesting. You know, he uh, he's leading the AHL in scoring, isn't he? So, yeah, yeah. Um, that's Australian, by the way. Yeah, Nathan first Walker. Australian, the first Australian to play in the NHL, and he's yep, he's got good some, for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like I said, no call-ups for tomorrow's game. So they're going to deal with that from within. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, it would be a knee-jerk reaction, which we've seen Doug Armstrong make before, um, if they went out and, and made a trade. And, um, yeah, I know the, the, the ones that I keep seeing people say, well, no, they can go out and get Taylor Hall. Yeah, 
but do you need Taylor Hall? Like, you don't know what you need yet. Well, here's the deal, too, with that. Like, trading for a guy, I'm not against making a team better. I'm not against acquiring a, a Taylor Hall at some point if it's, if it's warranted. But right now, you're going to pay off no. the nose for a Taylor Hall. No. Because New Jersey doesn't want to trade him. And, no. uh, and And if you want somebody right now, 10 games, 12 games into the season, you're going to pay a buttload for somebody. you got to wait yep. until the halfway point at least. Uh, maybe a team might say, well, our chances aren't that good this year. Things didn't pan out. We're probably not going to make the playoffs. Whatever. And then they may move some guys. And then that's, that's when trade talks happen. You, getting somebody now, it's – you rarely see a big name move early in the season. I mean, unless no. unless, unless the player is unhappy, something right. like that. You don't you don't see moves for injury. Yeah, you don't see that right now. I agree, and I'm I'm I again. Doug Armstrong's been known to make knee jerk reaction moves and, and trades and signings, and I think uh, I think he's handling it the right way. I mean, this team. You talk to anyone, anyone who's worried right now. Uh, talk to another fan from another team and ask them what they think about the Blues four lines. And they will tell you, and because I've had a lot of people tell me this, we are the deepest team in the NHL. A lot of people believe that. So, yeah, losing your superstar, that's going to hurt any team, anybody. But we're, if this truly is a deep team, we're going to see what these guys can do. Uh, and, again, Tarasenko, it's not like he was lighting it up. Uh, the guys who have been lighting it up have been O'Reilly and Shen. So we've already got – we're already watching these other guys that are stepping in and, and playing – big roles for Blues to, to get these wins and get these points in overtime. And again, Tarasenko is a big part of it. He, he draws a lot of defenses towards him, which opens up space for other players. But these guys, it, it's not, again, it's not like this is, uh, you know, the, the, I'm trying to think of a, an example, the, the New Jersey Devils from two years ago with Taylor Hall. He was the only guy scoring points for him. That's not this team. They, they are deep. They're going to be able to handle it. They can absorb it. And it's smart to say, let's see what these guys can do tomorrow without any other help. And then over the weekend, yeah, maybe we'll call up a Clem Costin or a Nathan Walker or a Jordan Cairo and see what, what they can do in a Blues uniform. But I, I'm, not, I'm not panicked. Um, and no. I think a lot of people are. There's no, no. need to be right now. No. I, I, like you said, it's a, it's a very deep team. Uh, and this is something that, the, that this is why you're deep. Um, this is this is part of it. Uh, you to absorb an injury, uh, to it, it, and this is they're going to need it. And uh, Tarasenko gone for pretty much the season. So uh, Logs Logsmort said uh, he hopes they don't throw him back in if he's still recovering in the playoffs. Uh, rather have a fresh, healthy Vladdy next year. To be honest, saw a comment in the uh, uh, Blues Lounge today about uh, hope they don't rush back Tarasenko. <laughs> like. In what world are they going to rush back Tarasenko? Who, why would that ever happen? <laughs> is any team going to rush back a superstar player? No, they're they're gonna they're gonna make sure maybe the Oilers. Uh, <laughs> they, they would not rush back McDavid. They're going to take their time. No, they're gonna. I they, agree. It's, I mean, that's that's an it's an it's a an asset a valuable asset of theirs. They're not going to rush him back. It's they're going to make sure he's healthy, especially with a deep team. Um, they, they don't. Logsmort I mean, says Mizzou basketball, which. Might be right about that one. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't follow Mizzou basketball. I assume they rush somebody back before they're ready to play. Yes, yes, they have. Okay, well, that's that's college. Let's say it's college. It's a little different. But, that's college. Uh, Coaches don't give a shit. They cheat with recruitment. They they uh, they do all, they break all kinds of rules. They don't give a shit. Um, so that, that's they don't. That's the that's kind of not surprising. 
Well, and, and again, I know we, again, Tarasenko is your superstar. That's the guy that you're building your team around that, um, you know, but, but again, you look at last year, you look at even just, just a season ago, he was struggling like crazy. And yes, the blues were, were awful to start the year. Ryan O'Reilly was far and away one of the best players in the league throughout the year last year, including when the blues were terrible. So it's not like the blues just have a bunch of guys who, well, we can plug him in. Maybe he'd do well on the first line. You could throw together a first line if you wanted to of O'Reilly, Shen, and Schwartz. O'Reilly, Shen, and Perron. And that's a good line. That's still a great first line for any team. So, yeah, not having Tarasenko hurts, but this team is built, like you said, Kurt, to be able to, to, to absorb that injury and say, okay, let's just plug in somebody else. Maybe our goal scoring goes down, but... Hey, it's also a reason they brought in Justin Falk. Look at the defensive uh, uh, depth they've got. You know, yeah, maybe you're going to score one less goal every two games, but hey, you've got great goaltending and well, above average goaltending at this point, and and uh, great defense. So you should be able to handle this just fine. I think they'll be. I mean, they'll be. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a loss. I mean, there's no no beating around the bush about it but uh no bones about it but it i mean they like they'll they'll be okay um, i do love the people who have been saying like the, the ones that are ones that are being like i know we're being optimistic here but the ones who are like out insanely optimistic that are just like oh well this is a good thing for the blues because now we get to see what they can do without tarasenko it's not a good thing no it's not it's good. not I, a it's not a terrible I, season ending thing either but it's not a good thing i saw somebody say well he wasn't good defensively anyway <laughs> like, <laughs> like like it's a like it's a, a like the bonus that he's he's out um you see you hear stories like this all the time somebody fills in for a for a star player who's out and they play very well. They step it up, yep. and they, and then there's a decision they make. Oh my gosh, who do we who do we get sent back down when Tarasenko comes back? Uh, you know, because he's playing so well. Um, so I, I, I'm, you know what? I mean, this is just sports. Guys get hurt. That's what happens. Uh, so I'm just really interested, uh, anxious actually, to see who uh, plays where uh, and with who uh, from here on out. So the, oh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and, you know, you got to figure, and, and again, this is something that I think some people have already talked about, some other sports shows I've heard mention this, Robert Thomas, he's probably going to get a lot more increased ice time now. And, good. hey, good. We want to see that. We want to see what he reacts to something like that. So throw him out there on the top line and see what he does with a Braden Shen. Are you, uh, have you got the uh, Stars and Wild Game on at all? I do not. The Stars have stormed back. They're, uh, oh. They were losing 3-1 to one going to the third, right? Yeah, I think they just went up five three. Oh my lord, dude! Yeah. The Wild are just the the stars are bad. The Wild are they're hard to watch. Like I feel bad for their fans. We'll see how they do tomorrow night. But my goodness, they are not a fun team to watch if you're a fan. No, I mean they they had yeah they give up. They're I guess, old. I guess four goals in the third they gave up. Man, that's uh that's the four goal the two goal lead the most dangerous lead in hockey right. Yeah, God, I hate that. Hey, there's... I, I don't know why I do that because I hate I hate when people say that. Every time the Blues go up by two goals, I say I kind of say it in I, my head and I just go, I, "Shut up!" I know. I I, <laughs> I I hate it when I hear people say it, and I just went and said it on the air. Damn it! Uh, so uh, during today's press conference, Armstrong, uh, did you see it all today? He uh, he called Sammy Blaze. Sammy Blaze. I thought that was funny. 
Oh, he did call him Sammy Blaze? I missed that. He called him Sammy Blaze. Oh, jeez. And uh, dead serious, not like joking around. So that's, uh, he's got Pierre Fucking embarrassing. Fucking embarrassing. Uh, is Alan in net from Minnesota? I was going to add, well, I was going to bring that up later. Uh, <laughs> Squirrely Dan Dreheim says, is Alan in net from Minnesota? Uh, I think so. I think Might he is. Might as well be. I mean, as long as he's feeling well, which I guess he is. He had the flu. Um, or flu-like symptoms, uh, I, I would say he is, uh, just because of Bennington playing back-to-back. Uh, Minnesota being, they played last night, they're not a good team. Uh, I, I I would give Allen the start tomorrow. Uh, I think he's asking if Allen's in net for Minnesota tonight. Oh! <laughs> I think he was making a joke. Oh, that's uh, that's Dan. Good. Dan, which one of us correct? Just let us <laughs> let us know. I'm sure, I'm sure you're right. That makes much more I'm sense. I'm pretty sure he was making a joke, yeah. But... <laughs> We'll see. Uh, yeah, I think I think Bennington's a nut tomorrow, but we'll get to that. Uh, Jeff is right. Of course he is. Jeff's always right. <laughs> uh, that's what I appreciate about you there, Dan. Yeah, that's what I appreciate about you. Uh, Steen is out with a lower body injury. He uh, injured it versus the Red Wings on Sunday. Berube said Steen's injury didn't look serious. We'll see on Monday. He should be okay, I think. They kind of said the same thing about Tarasenko, uh, that it wasn't serious. He should be okay. And now he's out for five months at least. So uh, yeah, I, I we'll see. Uh, I, there was no practice day. They didn't they didn't uh, they didn't meet. So they didn't, there was no uh, talking to the press. So I assume we'll find out uh, or yesterday, I guess, on Monday. So uh, I didn't hear today about Steen. Did you hear about Steen today? No, I haven't heard a word. No. Um, they've been pretty tight-lipped so far. But I uh, everything we said about Tarasenko, we'll say it here with the caveat that we're talking more about the fourth line in the sense that um, there's going to be some guys, and this is probably more when you talk about building with depth. This is probably more of the injury you're wanting to sustain. Okay, one of our third, fourth-line guys is out. Let's see what player A can do, what player B can do. But I will say that with with, uh, Steen and the role he's taken as a bottom-six guy, um, I think this opens up the door a little bit more for McEachern. I think you're going to see him get a lot of playing time if Steen is out for a little while. And I like McEachern a lot. Um, I think he's he's not a guy that's going to blow you away with goals. He's not going to you know get a point a game or anything like that. But I think he does everything right. And and I know I've said a lot about the same things about Sanford in the past. Uh, see, I was going to ask you a question. I was going to ask you if you liked uh, McEachern over Sanford, and I I do. I I, I'm I do a, too. I'm not a Sanford fan anymore. No, I mean, see, I I, I still we, do. We, we, I like well compared to certain other players. I I my I've always I've said this last year and I'll say it again. If your biggest worry is Zach Sanford, you got a pretty damn good team. So that's true. There are times when he definitely fluffs and misses a puck, <laughs> uh, overpasses, overstick handles. But I think his game overall is not a killer game. It's not going to hurt you. And I I just McKecker and I just don't ever see him do anything wrong. Now I'm not saying he's Again, he's not a superstar, but he's a guy that when he's out there, you can rely on him to make the smart play, uh, get shots on net, keep the puck in the in the zone, and uh, I love that. About, that's what I appreciate about him. He's uh, he's he's great. I mean, everything he does, he forechecks well, and and uh, it seems like he's a pretty good team guy too. So I that's that's the way I view the scene injury. I say, okay, give more minutes to McKecker and let's see what he does with it. Uh, Darren, uh, Blay, Sammy Blay, uh, did hurt his thumb in the Colorado game, uh, missed the LA game, uh, shot hit his thumb. Then he was slashed in the same spot 
like two seconds later. I know they, they focused on the shot hitting his thumb, but right after that he was slashed right in the same damn spot. Uh, so uh, probably a combination of both. Uh, he played in the Boston game, uh, but uh, was not at 100%, so, uh, and he set out the LA game. So that's, I, I, I mean, thumb injury, I assume he's going to be fine. He tried to play, but uh, we'll see uh, how effective he is for a while. Um, this reminds me, I guess I could kind of relate to this. There was one time years and years and years ago when I was still playing somewhat competitively in high school, if you want to consider it that, at the high school ranks. Um, I, uh, I remember I blocked a shot. Basically, I, my, my hand was open to where it was, and for anyone who's ever worn a hockey glove, you know that there is just no padding on your hands. It's, it's just the leather so you can feel the stick better. And um, it hit me on the open side of the thumb. And it, it stung like a bitch, and we were on a penalty kill. And it, it dropped to my feet. I luckily was able to swipe it out. And my coach is yelling from the bench because I had just gotten out there. And he's like, Ponder, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it stings, but I'm fine. I'm fine. Very next play, guy comes down, winds up, slap shot, same spot. Exact <laughs> same spot. I, Because I, I think I was blocking it. I had a guy in front of the net, and I went to cross-check him. And the way the puck hit, it came and just hit the side of my thumb and just right in the same spot. And I, oh, man, it hurt so bad. I, I got to the bench. I took my glove off, and it was already like three times the size of my thumb. And uh, that hurt. I, I couldn't move my thumb for like four days. So, granted, this is, these were not NHL-caliber players. But these guys could still shoot in high school. So I felt that pain. I know how bad it sucks. Uh, so hopefully he's going to be fine. But, uh, you know, I've always said when, when player, players play with broken fingers and uh, hurt thumbs and, and all that all the time, it's early in the season, so they're not going to make him play. Maybe he will tomorrow now, giving, given the Tarasenko injury. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think he's going to be fine. I have taken a number of shots to uh, the thumb, straight on. Like oh, a, it sucks. Like, oh, doesn't it though? Because you, yeah. you 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 take a shot like a like a if a slash runs up your stick and just uh, hit your thumb uh, uh, straight on, uh, where there's not much padding, and you're like, oh my god, I hope my thumbnail is still there. It's like, oh god. Yep. I don't. I do not miss that. No, it's terrible. It's. <laughs> It's terrible. Uh, there was one time recently where uh, somebody came down and tried to hack my stick and got me right on the top of the thumb. And I, it seriously hurt so bad, I thought it might have chipped off the top of my thumb. I was like, I, ugh, this is terrible. What the hell? I mean, it wasn't bleeding or anything. It just it hurt like hell, though. I, I couldn't move it. I uh, blocked a shot one time. Uh, with uh, at, I was at the point, at the, covering the guy at the point in the defensive zone, and I guy took a shot from the point and I kind of you know did the whole you know forward blocking a shot thing where I just kind of just tighten up and I put my legs together and it and it hit the my toe cap on my skate and it hit solid straight on and it Oof. shot back right back at him and all the way down the rink oh wow <laughs> I was like oh my and I it it, it hit my toe because you know the toe is like a half an inch from the end of the skate and it, it I thought I thought the toenail was gone I thought it was like bent back or something after the game, it was fine. I was like, Jesus, that hurt like a bitch. Man, I tell you, those when you block shots in the skates, it depending on where it hits, it, I mean, I'm pretty good about like when it hits my foot, if it hits my arm, I can usually tell if, okay, that might be a sprain, okay, that might be broken. I usually know what it's going to be. But, man, with the feet, 
just because of the, the initial pain you get from getting hit in the foot, whoo, man, you don't know what it is. There, nope. There's been times I've been hit right in the top of the laces, well, and it's just like, I just shattered my foot. My foot shattered. Yeah. And I'll take my skate off, and I'm fine. Yep. And I'm like, oh, I, well, okay, I guess not. And you don't know because your laces skate, your skate is lace tight. And so any, any, any injury you get down there is, is kind of compacted and, and uh, contained. And it's yep. not like hanging loose like your arm or your knee or anything where you know something's bad. I mean, that's why a lot of times players get hit in the skate with a shot. They don't, you, won't, you don't take a skate off until the game's over because if you take it oh, off, yeah. it'll swell up. You can't get your skate pack on. Yep. Uh, and it'll hurt worse. So you, any injury to your foot, you wait until after the game is over unless you can't skate on it. Uh, to see it, so. I remember what what was it? It was Keith Kachuk a couple of years ago. I mean, it was uh, I mean, I think it was when the Blues were still a perennial cup contender, where he blocked a shot and broke his foot in the first period, and then he went out and scored two goals. Yeah. He didn't take a skate off. He was fine. He said it wasn't until the end of the game he took his skate off, and his foot just ballooned right away. Yeah. And he's like, "Uh oh, that's a problem." Well, your skate acts like a, a compression cast, I guess, if you will, for anything that's broken, more or less. Your your foot doesn't move inside your skate that much. Anything from from the ankle down, your skate doesn't. Uh, your your foot doesn't move. So. Yep. I remember when uh, when I broke my ankle. Uh, same time in high school, I broke my ankle playing, and uh, I came off the rink. It hurt like hell, but I was like, I'm fine. And uh, my dad was the coach, and I remember him saying, "Take your skate off. Let's take a look at it." And I go, "No." And he goes, "Why?" And I go, "If I take my skate off, it's gonna balloon. I'm not gonna be able to get it back on." And he goes, "There's a chance it's broken. We need to find out." And I'm like. Taking it off's not going to figure that out. We're not going to figure that out until we get to the ER. And he's like, yeah, I'll take you to the ER. Let's go. And I'm like, no, i got a game to play. <laughs> it wasn't until my mom had to come all the way over to the bench and say, take your goddamn skate off. <laughs> and I finally did. And, yeah, it was it was broken. And I'm like, hmm, I would have still played. Well, I, and you probably could have. I mean, kind of. Uh, Darren Pang reported that Jake Allen had the flu and was scratched from the start on Sunday versus Detroit. So that's that wraps up the injuries and the players out to uh, for uh, sicknesses. Um, and of course, uh, social media speculation ran wild, which I had some fun with that a little bit too. So that was <laughs> social media running wild. No, no. Oh, Jake Allen has the flu. Has yeah, air, right. Air quotes around the flu. And uh, somebody replied back to me, just stop. <laughs> no, like, what does Captain America say? No, I don't think I will. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, if anybody was wondering what Justin Falk was doing while the Blues visited the White House uh, the other day, uh, he went out for a sandwich that was posted on the uh, Blues official website. Um, with, so speaking of Falk, after Sunday's loss to Boston, that makes six straight losses to Boston for Falk, which includes the sweep of Carolina by Boston last playoff. So I'm sure he has a little uh, chip on his shoulder with Boston going on right now. Went out for a sandwich. Went that's out for a just, sandwich. That, people, you know, it's, it's funny because that sounds kind of depressing to me, but it's like I went out for a sandwich by myself today. Is it really that depressing? <laughs> oh, sometimes, sometimes, man. When you when you're like at work all day dealing with people or whatever, and you go out for a sandwich by yourself, oh, it's like the best. Uh, get away from everybody. Go to a restaurant, get a sandwich, to sit there for half an hour and just be by yourself. It's fantastic. When I used to work at the same place Bill works at, yep, that was uh, that was what I would do. I we had a cafeteria on site, but I was like, no, I'm not going to the cafeteria because I can still get bothered there. I'd get in my car and I'd go somewhere. Like I'm gonna get away for an hour so that way nobody can talk to me. So yeah, I. I'm sure maybe for him, going to D.C., maybe a lot of people probably don't recognize him. So I'm sure it was 
pretty nice to just get away and, and be able to go get a sandwich by yourself and have nobody talk to you. I brought that up because uh, we talked uh, on previous shows about about what Falk did uh, during the the banner raising and everything, and uh, went back to the locker room and whatnot. But so uh, that was interesting. So when the when the team went to meet Trump and and uh, take part in the ceremony, uh, he went to get a sandwich. You think so. he did that for the uh, home opener too when they raised the banner? Got a sandwich? He just, he just, yeah, he just like walked out into the concourse, like hey, everybody's gonna be in there watching. No one's gonna recognize me. Got himself a sandwich before the game. Get, get himself a Lions Choice out of the. Uh, there Lions you choice. go. That'd be a, Justin I, Falk. If you have not had Lions Choice yet, you need to do that, big boy. Uh, Lions Choice is a quality roast beef. I mean, it. Uh, it I, is. I like Arby's. Don't get me wrong. I I enjoy an Arby's. It's good, but it's no Lions Choice. Lions Choice My, is better. My wife is insane. She's never had Lion's Choice. And I oh, just, man, it's not how have you lived in St. Louis your whole life and not had it? So they're, good. They're building one in Edwardsville as we speak. That's amazing. Which I'm excited about. They had one in Edwardsville when I first moved here, and then they got rid of it, and they, they left town at like the wrong time. That was right when Edwardsville was really booming. And I'm like, why are you leaving? And the Pizza Hut moved in there, and now they're back. So they should be. They're supposed to be up and running by the end of the year. So we'll. We that's shall see. that's only that's the only reason I don't visit Edwardsville. So now I'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> Logsmart said uh, I miss Lion's Choice so bad that was about thirty percent of my diet in high school. Uh, Mister Bluesat says Lion's Choice is too salty. Well, nobody asked you what you think. Yeah, nobody cares what he thinks. <laughs> we don't need to read his comments anymore. Too salty? Oh, you can. I mean, they do put seasoning on it, so you could probably say no seasoning. You're too salty. <laughs> that's you're too salty, Mr. Blues Hat. I think that's his deal, though. That's true. That's his shtick. So salty, salty people don't like salty sandwiches, apparently. Then where does he get all the salt from? It's developed internally, I guess. <laughs> it's a pretzel eater or something. I don't know. Yes. Ooh, pretzels are great. Is there salt in Mick Ultra? I'm sure there is. <laughs> uh, you put, I'm basing put, that off nothing. Do you ever put salt in your beer? <laughs> You like a, you get a draft and you pour some salt in your beer. No, I've never done that. It's like a it's like an old school thing. I think uh, people really. Yeah, you can put salt in your beer. Huh? Not a lot. I says, might have to try that. I don't. Know. I, I I've done it before. I didn't really notice much of a difference. Real real just insane side note here because that's what we do here. My wife was watching this show called Halloween Wars. It's basically like that cake war show. Um, uh, was that except last they night? do like uh, I, I watched I, I don't that. Know. The, with the different cakes exploding? I, I don't know if that's what it was or not. I okay. just happened to walk in, and she was watching something. It's called Halloween Wars, I know. Right. And they basically just make these displays out of, like, cake and sugar. and So apparently, so they have to have, like, a taste element. And one of the taste elements this, this chick picked was um, uh, she was making cookies. In, instead, uh, although she, made, she messed up, which I'm like, as a professional chef, how do you do this? She put salt in instead of sugar. So, wow. yeah, so like the 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 pa- panel of judges were like, oh, this looks great. They took a bite like, oh, have you tasted this? And she goes, no, what's wrong with it? They're like, you need to taste this. And first she off, took a taste and was like, oh, no. First off, a baker or a chef tastes as they go. That's, that's Se- what my wife said. She said, surprised. how do you... How are you a chef and you don't taste while you do it? Everybody, yeah, any anybody, any knows that. But um, second, uh, I do enjoy salt on my cookies, uh, like a like a dark chocolate chip cookie with like sea salt on top. That's amazing. 
I'm guessing that like it was a lot of salt in it though. Oh. There's supposed to be a lot of sugar. Yeah, if there if there's <laughs> if if it's salt instead of sugar, that's got to be awful. Uh, Squirrely Dan Dorham says Lion's Choice was founded in 1967, same year as the Blues. Coincidence? Question mark? Question mark? <laughs> uh, I think not. No, definitely not. And it was it was a long time coming for them to have a uh, concession stand at uh, Enterprise. It is, you know, when that went up, that was the first thing I thought. I'm like, how has it taken this long to make that happen? Yeah. Although, to be honest, there's a lot of stuff in town that you'd think that they'd have that they just don't or don't have room for. Yep. Uh, After playing their best game of the season in a 3-1 win versus Colorado on Monday, the Blues followed that up with a real good effort versus L.A. on Thursday. Uh, speculation was the Blues could suffer a letdown. I think that was like the the, the talking point of the day. Uh, are the Blues going to have a letdown against L.A. after you know, a big win versus Colorado and then taking on the Kings, who just aren't a good hockey team this year. Uh, Kings currently in last place in the Western Conference as of today uh, at 4-8. and eight. Um, So, But the Blues did not have a bad game, at least not in the end, uh, because, well, up until the bump, uh, by Bennington on Clifford, uh, the Blues were trailing two to one in the game in the second period. So this was interesting. I want to talk about this. I know it was a couple of games ago, but this was a you know this is a kind of a this is a thing to talk about. Uh, Blues trailing two to one in the second period. Uh, Bennington took it upon himself to uh, spark the team a bit by leaving it. I wonder if this was his thought process the whole time. Maybe it was. We don't know. Uh, he does his usual skate to the corner and back again uh, during a stoppage. And he took the opportunity to bump Kings forward Kyle Clifford, who was in the area, shoulder to shoulder. Uh, nothing major. It was a it was a it was a significant bump though. It wasn't like anything nasty. It wasn't a check. Um, and then uh, Clifford gave Benson a little cross check to shove him back. You know, nothing major, uh, and shove him away. And basically saying, "Get the fuck away from me." And uh, of course, Sunquist and Barbashev take Clifford into the corner with a bunch of pushing and shoving, and because you don't touch the goalie, all this stuff is like. Uh, either not a big deal or is as expected when it comes to hockey skirmishes. Not nothing major. No penalties were assessed on the skirmish. I thought rightfully so, but uh, the Blues won the power play because of a, a Clifford's penalty he took before the bump incident uh, interference on Barbashev. But Petrangelo scored in the power play, and the Blues were all over LA. Robert Thomas scored his first goal of the season less than two minutes. That later they gave the Blues the lead. So Jeff, first off, uh, was Bennington's uh, play on Clifford was that on purpose? Was he trying to spark the team? What 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 what, would, what was your take on what was going through his mind? That's I mean that's a tough thing to answer. To be honest, I mean he you got to think he did. I mean that's the kind of guy he is. You see him, uh, we've seen him do it before. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but I remember in the playoffs he he had a Bishop. moment like that. Bishop. Well, Bishop he he uh, and Ben. He, it was Ben I mean, that ben, I was yeah, thinking ben. of. He yep. gave uh, he whacked the boards right next to Ben. I don't think he hit. Did right. he hit Ben? He may have hit Ben, but it was. I uh, think he like, did. Didn't he get in his face right to the end of the second too? And then and that's when he tapped Bishop too. I know when he uh, going to the locker room after the period was over, they crossed paths a bit, and I he gave somebody a whack or gave the boards a whack right by somebody. May have hit him too. It was Ben, wasn't it? I think it was Ben. Um, yeah, we've seen him do this before, so yeah. I think you're right. I think it's. Probably fair to assume that this was done intentionally. Um, to spark the team, I don't know. Uh, you got to think part of it is just that Kyle Clifford's kind of an asshole, you know, on the rink. Uh, off the rink, I'm sure he's a great guy, but well, he gave he's, he gave Steena Slewfoot, uh, yeah, more or less. After and I think Bennington was 
at the very least, I think he came out and said, "Hey, fuck you," you know, with a slew. Yeah. So, um, and I, I mean, I think, I mean, the end result was a an inspired Blues team. Whether or not that actually led to that, we don't know. Uh, but it didn't hurt any, obviously. Well, Bennington shown before. Bennington shown before, and not just in the NHL, but in the in his previous leagues, that he's not willing to back down to, oh, no. to anybody. And so, you know, he's thrown the, the, the fist of cuffs before. And I'm not saying he was going to fight Kyle Clifford, but he's shown that he doesn't care who you are. He's going to give you a bump. He's going to say something if he wants to say something. And, um, and I did love the reaction of Blues fans of, you know, you know F Kyle Clifford. Kyle, oh, Kyle Clifford on. did that. Come on. No, it was, no. It was brought Clifford. on by Biddington. And, and you know what? But Clifford didn't do anything. He, yeah. I mean, he did the bare minimum. Well, the bare minimum is skating away, which actually probably should have done. It was the goalie, and everyone knows you don't touch the other goalie, otherwise right. you're getting jumped on. But he really yep. didn't do hardly anything. He just shoves. I mean, I anybody, I I I hesitate to even call it a cross check. It was an, he just kind of extended his arms, just and a shove, shoved, just shoved Bington away. So yep. get out of here. So that yep. and that that's all it was. And I actually. Clifford could have cold cocked him. <laughs> yeah, he could have. But uh, uh, he probably would have been suspended for that. But uh, that's uh, that was interesting, and I I totally uh, like you. I kind of laughed at what Blues fans were saying. I'm like, come on, he didn't do yeah. anything. Uh, that's ridiculous. I I like that by by Bennington though, and and uh, again, I I hate to to say this just because it's I always sound like I'm knocking Jake Allen. I'm not when I say this. I. But when I have to preface it with that, I, I might be. I don't know. Um, I I just feel like that's the that's the type of goalie that I really enjoy watching. You know, the Patrick Waugh, and I'm not trying to say Jordan Bennington's next Patrick Waugh, but the type of guy who's just not going to take shit from anybody. And, you know, you get in his face, you mess with one of his teammates, he's going to let you know, I'm not happy with that, and I'm going to come right at you. And uh, that's what he did there. And And I feel like Jake Allen, that's – for the last couple of years, and even Brian Elliott, we really didn't see that type of thing from our goalies. And and we're seeing it now with Bennington. And I I love that. That's the tenacity, the fire. And and as you said, I think when you see that kind of thing from your goalie, it's so easy to get fired up. I used to play with a guy, he's a listener of the show, uh, Dave Jackson. Dave, hello. Um, Dave is one of the feistiest, feistiest motherfuckers I have ever played for. Dave's not and here. Yeah, he's uh, Dave's a hot mess. Dave's a mess. <laughs> Dave's um, a killer. Dave's, a, Dave's a killer. Yep. Now he, uh, he. I'm not kidding, man. Like if if there was a fight breaking out at the other end, even if nothing provoked him, he would skate all the way down and join in. I mean, he was nuts. And when he would do that kind of stuff, it fired us up. It was like, man, look at how into this game Dave is. And I think that that resonates well into the NHL too. I think players see the competitiveness in Bennington and the willingness to, to never back down. And uh, I think it really that, does kind of amp teams up. That's uh, something that uh, we, we kind of pick on Allen quite a bit on this show. I mean, I think a lot of it's justified. But I think one of the things with that, that bugs me with Allen, which doesn't necessarily affect his play necessarily, but is his passive nature and goal and mm-hmm. his ambivalence to – any kind of uh, you know controversy or 
uh, get out of my crease or shoving guys or not. I don't know how to, how to describe it, but I almost playing like a like a like a secondary player, kind of like with he's, doesn't fight back or doesn't have an attitude or doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. I, I like that. Like you said, I, I enjoy that in a player. I enjoy a fiery player. Uh, now, I don't want like the cheap shots necessarily from uh, uh, taking bad penalties, but um, stand up for yourself. You know, um, yep. I, just Let players know that you're not going to take any shit, the bumps and stuff like that, uh, get in your crease, give them some shots. I, I, I've always liked that in a player, and I, and I think uh, that's where Allen falls short in a lot of ways for me is that he is just not an aggressive goaltender in that respect, which I, I, uh, I've always lamented about him. Well, and to be honest, I don't even think it's just Allen. You look at the past Blues goalies. I don't think Brian Elliott was really that way. I don't think Yaroslav Halak, maybe a little no, Halak. I think Elliott. I think Elliott was a little bit that way. Elliott showed fire and passion uh, over wins and things. He was always he always yeah, that's true. Pumped that's the, true. You know, he would do, I did I, like I enjoy, that. I, that's that's emotion. I, I enjoy that part, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think Elliot got in a lot of fights or anything, or, or no controversy on the ice. But uh, I'm not really calling for that. But some emotion is just nice, and and that and yeah. shows that, which I like. He doesn't. That's say why I like about Grant Fuhr. <laughs> yeah. Grant Fuhr uh, showed emotion. I love that. Allen doesn't say. Uh, uh, Bennington doesn't say much, but his actions speak much louder than his words. Yep. Uh, Saturday versus Boston was the Stanley Cup final rematch, um, which, you know, uh, a lot of people, well, Boston fans. And you know what? If, 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 this, if I was a Bruins fan, I would have marked this game on the calendar, and I've been looking forward to it too. I mean, that's, that's just sports. Um, Mr. Blues Hat was kind enough to host a watch party at the Hawk Shots in Edwardsville. Uh, not really out to celebrate in this game. Uh, the Blues were shut out. <laughs> Real quick, before we get into this game, I do want to say I did love, as much as I got mad at and annoyed with Cassidy, uh, Coach Cassidy, over the um, uh, the Stanley Cup final, I did like his comments before this game. They asked him, you know, how do you prepare your team for this rematch? And he said, it's not a rematch. It's a regular season game. It's for two points. Um, they got the cup last year, you know, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool to see. It's cool to see them come back together and, face each other and and especially in the spot where the blues won the cup last or last skated the cup i guess but uh yeah it's not a rematch it's it's and and i did enjoy hearing that from him that hey you know what this is just another game for us we need to go out and just get the two points and uh i enjoy that that type of response from a coach as compared to a lot of the things he said during the stanley cup final I think that's something he has to say. I don't think he could say anything else. He, I, I mean, I guess he could say something like, "Ah, eh, you know, well, we're we're looking forward to playing them again because obviously things didn't end up the way we hoped in Game Seven. So, I, I get it. I mean, it's not really something he can say publicly as far he wouldn't want to uh, say because if they lose that game, if he goes into it and says, uh, "Well, you know, we're we're looking forward to this because we didn't get it done in Game Seven, so we're looking to get them back," and if they lose that game, whew. <laughs> Pulls a uh, pulls a Jim Schoenfeld and says, "I guarantee we will win this game." <laughs> Have another donut. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I I enjoyed seeing that, even though I think that that's probably something he had to say. But that it, right, it makes it was it was good to see him say that. Uh, I, you know, I, I didn't think the Blues played poorly in this game. I thought they had a lot of good chances. They just couldn't get anything past Rask. One of those games where they played fairly well. Uh, and it wasn't just Rask. I thought the 
I, I told this to a friend of mine that's a Bruins fan that uh, I think that's the best defense that I've seen the Bruins play in the last eight games that these two teams have played each other. Uh, the Blues or the Bruins defense was fantastic. They weren't allowing a lot of great opportunities, and the ones that they were. Like you said, Rask was there to stop him. And we didn't allow. I mean, well, there was a, a couple chances, a few chances, but we. I mean, the, we we played. The the game was rather. You know, the shots were low, twenty six twenty four, fairly low. Uh, you know, we outshot Boston twenty six twenty four. So I mean, we had more shots, and we. I mean, we limited them somewhat. Uh, one, we won sixty percent of the faceoffs and out hit Boston twenty seven twenty two. I mean, you could stat wise, you know, well, played them in a few areas. Uh, but you know Boston scored a goal in each period, and the last of which was ending a goal. So uh, one of those games where you you play well as road games in Boston, uh, and the the head coach can say whatever he wants about uh, it not being a rematch. The players want to win this game. I mean, you, oh you, yeah. I mean, you want to win this game. This was a little more than just a two point game to them. It, it was. You want to beat the team that beat you in the playoffs. There's there's a revenge factor there. Even though you just get two points, you didn't win a trophy. Uh, you, I mean, you just, you, it's just a, okay, we beat them. Now let's move on. I don't know. I was, uh, I was really happy to see that uh, after the win, Brad Marchand uh, started crying, and he said, <laughs> um, I, everything that I've dreamed of is, has come true. We won, and we got the two points. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, oh, man, Bennington would have, like, went down in history as a, as a god if after the game he had said, Boston stole our dreams. It was two points. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> oh so awesome. Oh my god. I would have gotten I would have gotten a Bennington fifty tattoo across my back <laughs> like it was a jersey. That would, have been, <laughs> that would have been awesome. Oh my god. No, I thought I thought the blues played very well. I agree with you. I think some people kinda you know, and it's easy to get mad about being shut out. And you know, I'm not happy about it. You want to at least see your team get on the board. But um I think like you said, Rask played really well. I thought the defense played really well. Uh, McAvoy and, and Krug and all those guys had a great game. Um, and they just converted when they had opportunities. I thought Bennington played well. Um, just a matter of you're not going to win them all kind of thing. And, and I think I'm happy with the way they showed up for this game. When did it was McAvoy that, that knocked that puck out of midair when it was going in the open yeah. side, yep. right? So, I mean, that, what was, this, was it one nothing then at the time? So, uh, I want to say one nothing, yeah. Okay, I mean that. I mean, you know, that's that was a huge play. The game was pretty close. I, it just, I mean, did, things didn't break our way. And Boston, to to give them to give them credit, um, it they're off to a fantastic start this season. Yeah, they are. And David Pasternak, holy shit! Yeah, and it's not a surprise uh, he scored a goal in that game. He's no. been on fire. Uh, the uh, Sunday game against Detroit, uh, the Blues uh, won this one five to four. Although, uh, this game. You know, uh, when was you have... this not? Let, let me ask you. Sorry to interrupt, but no, good, good. was this not the most? Fru- and I know they ended up winning, but was this not the most frustrating game of the season? This was the. This was this. This game was the season in a microcosm. I think it was yeah. up and down. Uh, had some had some good play. Had some terrible play. Uh, it was like the entire season encapsulated in one game. I think for the Blues. Uh, it it uh, got the start over Jake Allen, who was scheduled to start but got the flu, uh, and the Blues had a two-goal lead in the third period. And uh, Detroit came from behind, scored three goals, 
uh, to take the lead, and then the, the Blues ended up tying it with a couple minutes to go, a few minutes to go. Uh, and then uh, won it on a snipe by Perron in overtime. So this, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, are you concerned yet about the habit the Blues seem to be to have a blowing two goalies? I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned. I'm not hitting the panic button, but I'm concerned that. Uh, and we talked about it last week and probably the week before. It, you know, I know that the cliche is they didn't play a full sixty. And I hate that, again, I hate this, that thing. Is, this is something that we've talked about. It's, it's a cliche, but at the same time, you do want to see your team. Be able to not because like you, I think you said it last week, Kurt. When they're off, like they'll play great periods. They'll have a great first period, a great second period, and then they'll only be off for maybe five minutes in the third period. But in that five minutes, they're giving up goals. Like yeah. they're not just looking bad; they're allowing goals, and that that is the troublesome part that they're playing so bad that they're allowing goals to be scored on the board. If you allow one, okay, but if you allow one and you still come out looking soft and not doing your four-check game and not hitting and not keeping guys to the perimeter and they're just scoring goals at will, that's an issue, and that needs to be corrected. Yeah. I, I, given up against a terrible Detroit team who had lost, was it seven in a row? Mm-hmm. Uh, they... and, just a, and like you said, not even just a seven in a row, just the fact that you look at that roster. There is nobody except Dylan Larkin that stands out. Nobody. Valtteri Filpula, who, yes, by the way, is still in the NHL, scored against the Blues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, this was. I mean, this this game goes down as a win, uh, not even a shootout win. So it helps with the uh, with the tiebreak stuff. But yeah, I this, you know. I, Ladies and gentlemen, am I concerned about the, the blowing two goal leads? Yeah, I am. And uh, and 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 O'Reilly commented in the, after the game and said, pretty much almost a canned response. Yeah, we got to figure this stuff out. I'm like, yeah, you think? Uh, <laughs> th- this is. I think this is. I think. I think it's the fourth time that the Blues have blown a two goal lead uh, this season. Well, you could technically say it's the fourth and fifth time because they had right. they had two two goal leads. They had, did they? they had a two, yeah, they had a two nothing and a three one oh, lead. Right. Yeah, but it was two. It was two to one though. They didn't blow that. They they, you know, it wasn't two two, right? Two. Oh one. well, yeah, I guess. So, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, hang on, I I got some I got some stats here that I posted on Twitter. Um, okay, so I wrote this when the Blues uh were down late in the third, and it was kind of like, oh, God, they're going to lose this. Uh, so I, I did a little math here. The Blues had blown a two-goal lead in four of their first 12 games. The record with a two-goal lead at that point, if they would have lost, would have been 0-1-3, which now they're, what, 1-0-3. Uh, if this plays out the way we think, that equates to 27 games. It'll happen in an 82-game season. That means they'll get about 10 points out of those 27 games. So basically, games they have a two-goal lead – and they blow it and lose. They're only getting that. They're on pace for 27 games of doing that this year, and they'd only get 10 points out of those games. I don't know if that makes sense, but that is frustrating. That can't happen. Yeah. You go up two nothing, and you're a good team, or two. You go up by two goals, and you're a good team. You need to be able to hold on to that lead. Granted, it was on the road. I, I get right. it. I mean, it's a road game, and lots a lot of people have a philosophy, which is. 
you know, it's understandable to say that any win on the road is good. Um, which I mean, it's a, it's a road win. I'll take it. But man, how you got there against a terrible team is just, yeah. I don't. I, it, Red Wings are. They're not. They came out. I mean, they have speed. That's the one thing they have. Uh, with that, with Anthony CU, who might be the quickest player in the league outside of McDavid or McKinnon, um, and then you know Dylan Larkin, they got guys that can skate. It's just they the skill isn't there for most of that roster, and and you know, and I'm not trying to pound on the Red Wings here. I mean, they're in a rebuilding season. We you know Blues fans know that better than anybody what a re- rebuilding season looks like, but it's to see them come out and just dominate that third period early on the way they did score those two goals and then keep pressure on the blues that I just, I hate to say it because I always say that, that there are 31 good NHL teams. I don't care that Ottawa sucks and Detroit sucks. They're still good hockey teams. Obviously they're in the top team, top league in the, in the, in the world, but you, you have to be able to take take back control. You know, if they give up that one goal there in the uh, very opening seconds of the third period, and then they come out and just say, okay, guys, we weren't ready. Let's reset. Let's get back out there and take control of this game again. Okay, shit happens. You allow a goal, whatever. But, man, when they let them just walk all over them and get a couple chances and then finally tie the game up and then take the lead, that is what's concerning. You can't let them keep coming at you after they put a goal on you. And that's something that uh, I would imagine would correct itself, or they would. I mean, that's that, that can't continue. I mean, with and so though, I mean, I fully expect that to them to not have this issue uh, a month from now. I, I mean, I, I, and I really and if you look at the overall across the NHL. That kind of thing is happening more often. We are seeing more teams come back from two-goal leads. I have not, uh, or being down by two goals. I, I don't have the numbers on me, but I know that that was a stat they talked about last year, that I think last year was the uh, uh, highest in history, teams coming back and winning games after being down by two goals. So it's something you're starting to see more often just because of the skill in the NHL. Um, but still, I mean, you you can't, I mean, four times over 12 games, that you can't let that happen. That's too many times that you've given up a two-goal lead. Uh, I wanted to uh, talk about uh, the Roman Yossi contract. And Before how we talk about that, I do want to just quick mention that Ryan O'Reilly goal with the passing play back and forth. Oh, across. Everybody touched the yeah. puck. Oh, that was beautiful. That was nice. That's was a beautiful goal, and you want to see more of that. Um, the uh, but, uh, but before we talk about the Petrangelo and how how it affects him and his, his contract situation, uh, the stats for the past weeks since our last show, uh, the Blues uh, played three games or two one and zero over that span. Last week's special teams numbers when we did this show, the Blues were uh, this was last Wednesday. They were uh, 18.5% on the power play, which is 18th in the NHL. Penalty kill was 85.2%, which was 8th in the NHL. So PK was pretty good. Power play could do some work. Uh, <clears throat> we did go 2-1 and one over, the, over the last week. The Blues went 5-12 uh, for 12 on the power play over the last week. Uh, 41.7%, which was best in the NHL over that time. Uh, we killed 8 of 10 penalties, which is 80%, which is 15th in the NHL, so middle of the pack. So their current NHL special teams ranks are 
Power play is 25.6, which is 7th. And their PK is 81.1, So the PK uh, has dropped a tad, and their power play is up uh, significantly uh, with the 5 for 12 on the power play, which was nice to see. I think the, the big takeaway here for people to remember is that, you know, it, numbers are going to fluctuate like this um, all season. It's just a matter of more early in the season, so you're going to see these numbers change a lot. Uh, 18th and 8th to 7th and 14th. I mean, that's, well, those are huge jumps. You're not going to see that in January. Um, but I, it, it just goes to show that you have a bad week on your penalty kill. You know, you look at the, you know, the Blues have played three games. They've given up four power play goals. Oh, my God, they're terrible. they got to do something. The very next week, they could give up no goals in three or four games. I mean, it's just yep. you gotta, you got to take the season as a whole and realize that sometimes they're, as players go through hot and cold streaks, Special teams do the same thing. The Blues went from third worst five-on-five save percentage in the NHL two weeks ago uh, to the 14th best over the last week at 918, Uh, which a funny thing about that was that the reason why uh, (laughs) the Blues, Jake Allen didn't play over the last week. He he didn't play the last three games. So (laughs) in the previous week he played, this, the five-on-five save percentage was uh, pretty bad. Uh, but uh, he doesn't play, and it, and it shoots up to uh, 918 over the I tell you not, what. Which is not great, but uh, it's much better. So that was kind of I funny. think I think Bennington, you, I, I think that a lot of that is just the way the game plays out. But, I, man, Bennington, five-on-five, five, I just I feel so confident in him back there. I feel like he he really reads the play well five on five, I, I think and it, I, I like his aggressiveness too. About and that 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 helps. I think. I think so. How aggressive he is, and and uh, I, I he he's not as sharp as he was last season, which I don't think anybody expected him to be like he was last season because that was he was out of his mind. Uh, I I think he needs to be a little better overall. Uh, but uh, which I think will come. So long season, things t- kind to uh, tend to even out, and uh, the cream rises to the top, as they say. Yeah, I thought he had a a pretty rough game against Detroit. Um, I don't know, maybe it was fatigue from the night before. I don't know, but um, that I think it was the the goal that put them ahead from the the sideboards off the faceoff. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, the uh, early, I think it was the early one in the third period that just tipped off his glove. It's like that's another one he should have had. I mean, yeah, I, uh, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna see that. I think he's. I think again, like you said, you're gonna have good and bad games. We'll see how he reacts tomorrow night if he plays, which I don't. I, I would imagine I, he would. I, I don't think he would. I, 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 you I don't. You don't think so? I don't think. I think. Alan, I think if Allen's healthy, if he's not feeling, uh, if he's feeling okay, I think he starts against Minnesota. Minnesota played tonight. Uh, Minnesota's not playing well. Uh, Bennington just played the last two back-to-back over the weekend. Allen hasn't played in a while. I think he plays. You uh, you do hope that he gets some confidence. you got to give him some confidence against a bad team, but I think they tried to do that with Ottawa, and that didn't really work out. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, and it's not it's not too good when your backup's playing against bad teams and putting up an 8-4 save percentage or whatever he has. Yeah. Oof, so that's sad. But, 
Yeah. Uh, We've seen him play lights out for long stretches, so maybe yeah. tomorrow starts that. I mean, yeah, we have, and he he was good as a backup last season in the small sample size that it was, 13 games, whatever it was. So it's, uh, it'd be nice if he could uh, get close to that. Um, so uh, Nashville defenseman Roman Yossi signed an eight-year, $72 million contract with the Predators. Uh, he is 29. He'll be 30 when the contract kicks in. Uh, he'll be 38 when the contract's over. So it's a nine million dollar, nine millions, nine what, nine point three or nine point oh three, cap hit. Uh, I want to. What 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 do you think this means for uh, Petro and the Blues? Because his contract's coming up. Uh, situation. There's a lot of speculation online about what he can get, what he deserves, what he will get, what the Blues should offer him. Uh, some folks are saying they should pay him for other things like intangibles and. Uh, stuff like that. So, and so, Jeff, what? Okay, a couple things. Uh, how does this affect Petrangelo's situation? And uh, after that, uh, I'll ask you about what you think that uh, Petrangelo will end up getting. Well, I I think that you look at, I mean, you look at this, and that is clearly for for Petrangelo and his agent. That is the that's that's the barometer that's set. Because, one, Nashville's in the division, so it's easy to say we see them all the time. We know what their defensive strategy is. It's kind of similar to ours. And uh, uh, Yossi's the captain. Yossi is their top uh, minute eater. And they have a well-balanced defense, too. Um, Nashville prides itself on having a, a very solid defense. They were able to trade P.K. Subban, and, you know, no big deal. We got plenty of other guys that can step in for his minutes. I think it's the same thing with the Blues. If you were to trade away one of the guys on the on the blue line right now, uh, you'd be fine. You'd say, okay, well, we've got guys that can cover. And I think that's the same thing. And and so you're going to say Petrangelo uh, goes into the uh, uh, tr- to, uh, uh, contract negotiations and says, okay, Roman Yossi, captain, top-minute guy, eight-year, $72 million contract with Nashville. What do you What do you guys think? Uh, similar age, right? Petro's what, twenty eight? Uh, he's a, he's a he's months older. They're, they're both twenty nine, but uh, twenty nine. Okay. Uh, Petro turns thirty sooner. Okay, so basically the same yeah. age, right? Um, and he plays in the power play, plays in the penalty kill. I mean, does everything that you want out of your and and he's a good team leader. I mean, I know that there was a lot of questions last season uh, before the Blues turned it around, but. From all that we've heard from speculation across the team, he's a great team leader. So that there's the intangibles that people are going to be talking about. So I think he's going to go in saying, I want the exact same contract that Roman Yossi signed. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of talks that, that $10 million, but I think he only gets that in the open market. And I think he knows that. I think his, his agent knows that too, that, okay, the only way we're getting $10 million is if he decides to walk. Um, I think $9 million is what he's going to go and asking for. Blues are going to try to not give him that. I think if they do meet somewhere, I think it's in the 8 to 8.5 range. But looking at this contract, I feel like uh, Petrangelo, it's easy for him to say, I'm not coming down from 9. That's that's my barometer. It's been set. This is what you have to sign me for. So we'll see how much he wants to play for the Blues. And, and that's not a knock on him if he decides to walk. I wouldn't blame him one bit. But... Uh, you know, if it really is like a Gunnarsson situation where he wants to stay here, maybe he takes less. But I, I don't see would, him doing it. Would you 
as a GM, sign him as a blue, as a blues GM, sign him for eight years, nine million? That's a tough question, right? Because that's the that, and that is, it's that, it's that is it's the it's easy it's easy right now to just say, well, yeah, of course, I would sign him for that, but you add in the rest of the makeup of this team and that, how you're going to have to. Right. That's the problem. That's what I'm saying. Because I, I it's not even a matter. It's not a matter of is he worth that much. I think he is. It's just a matter of do we have the money and the assets to be able to sign him to that. I, so I don't know. That's a tough question. I wouldn't if I was the GM. I wouldn't do it. I love Petrangelo as a player. I think he's a very good defenseman. I don't think he's at $9 million per level. I, I mean, intangibles include – I mean, intangibles are there. I get it. Uh, but I just don't think he's at that level. And I, I mean, I, 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 I was, I, I would think the blues would go in hoping to, like you said, between eight and eight and a half. And I agree with you. I think that he might stick on nine, uh, and say, well, fine, I'll, I'll get 10, uh, on the open market or, you know, or somewhere else, but which I don't think, I mean, if someone gets him, gives him 10 more power to him, that's a great, that's a lot of money for him. I'm happy for him. But, uh, I, if someone gives him 10, I think that's bonkers. I, I, I don't think he's – he's not – if okay, before the OC contract, if he were to make $9 million per, that puts him top three, I think, contracts in the NHL defenseman-wise, and uh, right. he, he'd be the only person that had not won a Norris of those people. So it's like, I mean, if he was at that level, if he, he's not a Norris-caliber defenseman. He's, he's short of that. He's not a nominee. He's short of that. So I, 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 I think I think if he wins if he were to win a Norris trophy this year, he could come in, gangbuster stick on nine, and he'd probably be worth that. But I don't think he's that type of defenseman. I don't think he's worth that. Um, and I I think like I think if he wants to stay here, he's gonna have to sign for eight, eight and a quarter, something like that. And and I'll also say this about the term. God, I hate the eight-year term. Jesus. I, thir- That's a long term. He'll be 30 years when it kicks in, 38 when it's over, same as Yossi. Uh, I don't like the the term on Yossi's contract either. I think it's, a, that's a, uh, it's, it's too long uh, for a 30-year-old to sign. I, I mean, I get it. I mean, you can sign him for eight because he can't get that term on the open market. He can get, what, seven? Uh, so, I, but still, uh, I'm not faulting the players. I'm just like, you can ask for whatever you want. If you get it, great, but... I. I don't know. I, 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 as a, as a GM, I would not. I'd say, you know what? If you can get ten for six years somewhere, go ahead. I, I mean, I, I don't. We'll, we'll go. We'll look elsewhere. I mean, we'll sign. We'll sign uh, Pareko in a couple of years. We'll give him some money. Uh, we'll, we'll deal with that when the time comes. But I, I just do not. I don't want the Blues to get hamstrung with nine million, nine million cap hit. Uh, for a 36-year-old, 37-year-old, 38-year-old, uh, the last couple years of that contract, I just for a guy that when he signs the contract is you know top three defenseman in the NHL, money-wise, but I don't think he's quite there talent-wise. So. Yeah, I, I, uh, it, it, it's, it's uh, the thing to think about too. Like, like uh, I was kind of alluding to earlier with the Shen contract. You know, I don't think. I still stand by the fact that I'm okay with the Shen deal. I think he's still going to be a, a fairly 
responsible player at the end of that deal. But if you look at it, you sign Petrangelo to also an eight-year deal. You're talking about having two guys in their late 30s uh, being paid a ton of money. Uh, And we're bitching about Steen right now. Wait until you have two of those guys, let alone you might be talking in a couple of years about Tarasenko signing one of those deals too. So you look at the LA Kings. That's the kind of situation the Blues would be in. Now maybe maybe we find uh, what's it uh, the pull the stone the sword out of the stone whatever the deal is. I don't remember what the term is, but where you actually these guys are still very productive at that later in age. But I just it's not likely, yeah. and I don't want to see the Blues get too hamstrung by it. So it's. It's a tough situation for Doug Armstrong. We talked uh, last last uh, postseason about how the upcoming offseason was going to be the hardest one for him because what do you sign Jordan Biddington to? This is pretty tough, too. He's your captain, yeah. and he's he's a guy that brought the cup to St. Louis. No matter what, right. and that's what sucks for Doug Armstrong. No matter what he does, it's going to be the wrong move to St. Louis Blues fans. Well, here, here's the deal, too, is that, I mean, Shen will be 37 when his contract's up. That's 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 old uh, for a professional athlete, uh, NHL player. But he's he's making six and a half too. He's not making nine. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's the, so there's that, and he's a forward. Uh, so you can you can hide forwards a lot easier if they're not as productive than than you can defensemen. True. Uh, so, uh, but and Petrangelo's making six and a half this year. His cap his cap hit six and a half. So, you know, my God, if he makes eight, eight and a half, that's a two million per raise, uh, almost. I mean, a one and a half to two million per raise. That's substantial. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, as far as like fair goes, I mean, that's a fair raise. I mean, it's a substantial raise for eight. That's, oh, I, I mean, I think it's a, I mean, for the, and being 30 years old, I think that's a very, if they do offer him that, uh, I think that's a very fair offer for him. Uh, as far as the Blues are concerned, I, uh, man, I, I just don't, I, the, like, and the Alabama Blues fan in the chat says that's the kicker. Eight years is too long. That scares me for for a defenseman at nine years. You know, if you yeah. sign someone for eight years at five million, six million, you know, I mean, that's that's a lot of money, but it's not that's not going to break your team. A nine million dollar contract. That's 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 rough. That's granted, it's not as bad as Kane and Taze, but it, it's that's that's up there. So it's that's, that's a hurt. lot. It's gonna hurt yeah. if 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 he can't play those last three years as near as well as he, which you know he's gonna drop off some. So it's like ah, I don't know. Yeah, you're talking about having a nine million dollar defenseman on your third pairing. That's yeah. Again, uh, you want to bitch about Bowmeister? <laughs> Think about that. Yeah, I know. And and Bowmeister's not that old. I mean, he's old, but he's not that old. He's yeah. How old is he? Let's see. He is, uh, right? He's 36. Yeah, he's 36. Yep. So, I mean, and we were bitching about his age a year or two ago. <laughs> yeah, we were. So, That's because he, like, he was playing like he was 55. That's yeah. why. And I, I get it. Petrangelo's offense has been nice the past couple of years. It's been good. Uh, can't complain about that. But, man, that term. If you were to say six years, eight, eight and a half, I'd be like, done, deal, sign it. I like that. Maybe there's a chance that he'd go for that, but Maybe. I just I think he knows that he's getting seven on the open market if he and he wants six, eight from the blues. If he gets six, he's gonna there's no way he's getting below he he's gonna say below nine. Yeah. You know, I but yeah. 
That's that's interesting too. Would you do six years at nine million per? That's 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 interesting to me. That's that to me that's more in the doable and yeah. I can see happening category for as far as blues go. That's wow, that's a lot of money. It is. Anyway. So that it'll be interesting to see how that plans out. I'm um I love stuff like that, just to discuss and, and see how it works out. Oh, Mr. Blues Hat says uh, Petro's current contract is fair. He's never been underpaid. I, I, yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that too. But I think and six to nine would be ideal. And, and that's why I said that's that's doable for me. I wouldn't be upset about that. So, even though I'd still like, I prefer. Ah, you know what? I prefer six years, nine million per, as opposed to uh, eight years, eight million per. Yeah, I think I, I think I agree with that. We shall see. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it all plays out. We will. Uh, up next for the Blues, at home tomorrow night, Wednesday versus the Minnesota Wild. The Wild are 4-8-0 uh, now after tonight's loss. 4-8-0 this season. Eight points, uh, last place in the Western Conference. Uh, they are 1-7 on the road because tonight's game was in Dallas. <laughs> Yikes, 1-7 on yeah. the road. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Coming into tonight's game, they won three of four, uh, putting up wins versus a good Edmonton team, uh, Montreal, and a bad Kings team. Uh, their power play before tonight, uh, 15.8%, 23rd in the league. Penalty kill, 80%, 18th in the league. Dubnik has an 8.80 save percentage, 46th in the league. 46th in the league. Those are Allen oh, numbers. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> three, 3.92 GAA, 49th in the league. Uh, I'm sure they went down after tonight. Uh, giving up five goals. That, four, that, four goals. He's been the he's kind of been the the interesting early talk for trades that I've been seeing, and it, I think it's all speculation at this point. But you got to figure the Wild know like we're we got to start dumping some of these contracts. They got in for another two years, I think, after this year. Um, I could see a team who's wanting a more solid backup, like maybe Toronto, maybe Vegas, uh, taking a chance on him in case something happens to their starter. But man, he's He's, I just don't feel like and, and granted the defense hasn't been great for Minnesota either and they've been hemmed in their own zone a ton but uh, I just don't think he's a really a starter in the NHL anymore I think he's a solid split starter but uh, we'll, you know much, we'll see we'll see what he does tomorrow you know how much money he makes a lot he makes exactly what Jake Allen does oh really yeah 4.3333333333 I would still take him over Jake Allen. Oh, I would too. Maybe yeah. I'll do a swap. Hey. I'd be cool with that. I would, yeah. Give Allen and both, both guys get a fresh start and Dubnik can, uh, Dubnik can back up uh, uh, Bennington. I'd be fine with that. Let's I do mean, it. Make it happen, Leary. I, I say that because Allen's leaving, but I have to let me let me take a step back from my comment and, and think about this a bit. I I'll we'll revisit this maybe next week. <laughs> nah, I'm 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 sticking by it. I okay, think I'd rather I, have that because I've never been a Dubnik fan, even though he's played well the past. Because their contracts years. are the same length, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, the, he's got uh, this year and next year left. Yep. So yeah, <laughs> I do it. Okay. Well, I'll, I'm gonna think about that one. Uh, anything else you want to say? One more thing. One more thing. Uh, I think the Blues have to win this one tomorrow, right? I mean, Minnesota's rough. They're not a. Yeah. I mean, granted, you never know. I mean, they come out with some fire, but I feel like uh, a good statement win for the Blues without Tarasenko officially for a while. 
and uh, maybe somebody stepping up and having a good offensive game as Perron and O'Reilly did against Detroit. Uh, it'd be good to see. So um, I think tomorrow night will be a fun game for the Blues. Hopefully they can uh, come out with a victory and uh, uh, come home and have a good game because uh, the Detroit game was very maddening. I think I think the way the Detroit game finished and how they uh, gave up that lead and it was not a it was a win but it was a like hey we play like ass uh, in the end of that game we, we we need to play better I think that the end of that game uh, this this almost needs to be a statement game for them again uh, yeah. to you know, we played a shitty Detroit team and we almost lost it because we played like ass in the third period uh, we're going to play a shitty Minnesota team and we're not going to do it this time I think that yep. they should have that attitude and and I hope they do. Uh, and we'll see if they they actually do. Well, that's it for me. Is that it, really? No more one more things for you, unless you want to talk about the Ponder Tournament. Uh, go ahead and, uh, go ahead and uh, if you got anything to say about that. Uh... We are all full, all player spots full, November 23rd, uh, Queenie Park, and um, it, uh, it, it it's, it's going to happen. So uh, some bad hockey will be played. Come out and watch us, and we got plenty of cool raffle items. Uh, don't. Don't have all of them listed available yet, but I do know, as I've said before, plenty of NHL jerseys. We've got some Olympic jerseys, uh, some cool stuff uh, going away in the raffles. So uh, come check it out. And, uh, yeah, November 23rd, Queenie Park. Hopefully we'll see you there. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. We really do appreciate it. Alabama Blues fan says, enjoy the show, guys. Thanks again. You are welcome. Thank you, sir. Thank you to the entire state of Alabama for your existence. That's a lot of thank yous. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Jeff Ponder and Bill Day, I'm well. Bill's not here, but uh, we'll, we'll. Yeah, Bill says. Bill says thanks for listening too. Fuck um, you, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Kurt Price. That will conclude this week's broadcast of Let's Go Blues Radio. Until next time, everyone. Let's go Blues. Let's go Blues. Uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanusport at the War Memorial at eight. Good seats are still available. I think that went very well. Thank you for listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Now take off, hosers. Well, there's 90 minutes of your life you'll never get back. Sorry. St. <laughs> Louis Blues. St. Louis Blues. Have you heard the news about our St. Louis Blues? They've only just begun. They're on their way to number one. Now there's no more blues for our St. Louis Blues. Blues are on the ice tonight again. They're rough and tough and got the stuff to win. They'll always get one more, no matter what the score. They are quite a hockey team, my friend.